Hello, everybody. This is Sharon Versip again, and I'm excited for the second episode of March Madness. I uh, just wanted to mention again, um, I'm back in coaching. I'm at the University of South Carolina, Beaufort, down in the low country, a brand new Division II program that just added men and women's basketball. So real excited about that opportunity to continue to give back. And episode four, we'll be talking a lot about USCB and the great things here that's going on. So, but boy, what madness happened this past weekend First time in 25 years that multiple number one seeds went down, IU in Stanford, and it was on their home court. So the parity in women's basketball has just continued to grow, and what a sweet 16 that we're going to be looking forward to. I'm really excited about the two guests that I have today, former Purdue Boilermakers, their family, and their friends. So these episodes are going to be great. They're in the coaching realm and different conferences. So we'll be looking forward to those two. But let's go to the graphic and see what are the four top seeds that are left. Right now, we have the Greenville region with South Carolina, which is the team to beat. Absolutely no question. Then you have the region two in the Greenville is the Utah and that's the pick that I said, let's just, let's see what happens. They're going to be matched up with LSU, but that's still going to be a tough region. And then we go out, Seattle, number one, Virginia Tech. Played absolutely amazing. Um, Kenny Brooks has continued to do a great job. And then we go to region four, Big Ten, Iowa, Lisa Bluter, Caitlin Clark. So those four teams are the remaining highest seeds so we're going to be in for a treat this weekend. Well, our first guest in the show is Trisha Collip from the University of Toledo, obviously a former Boilermaker. Uh, Trisha has been nothing but amazing at Toledo, uh, winning as coach in, in uh, history. Um, she won the regular season championship in the MAC, won the tourney championship in the MAC, um, Indiana Basketball Hall of Famer as a player, um, and her team this year um, just was excellent. They were a number 12 uh, seed in the tournament. They upset number five, and I don't call it an upset because the matchup was great for her. 29-5, and five, beat Iowa State 80-73, to 73, lost to Tennessee 94-47, to 47, tied the record for most wins 29, had a 17-game winning streak, and advanced to the second round for the first time since 1996. So welcome, Trish. How are you today? How's everything going? Uh, it's going good. I appreciate you having me. Oh, you have been nothing except exceptional. 25th in attendance. Your team has done such an amazing run. Um, you know, I've been in this business a long time, and I always say you got to take a breath. What you have done has been incredible. You got to enjoy these moments. Uh, but kind of tell us a little bit about your run, you know, with COVID and what kind of transpired over these last two years for you to have had such an amazing run this year. Well, you know, over COVID, we were really young at the start of COVID. We were starting three sophomores and two freshmen um, and really we're having about a 500 season. We, we decided we had a kid transfer out that was a big integral part of our program right before the season started and COVID began. And so at that moment, we had a decision to make, you know, how do we recreate this team? Uh, and so we did. We went with a younger cast that we felt like if we put 
our, all of our chips in them uh, that it would produce down the road. And Quanisha Lockett and Sophia Wired were a big part of that. Uh, Sammy McConowitz was a big part of that. Uh, you know, Keir Goss uh, was a part of that. This group has evolved into uh, a very mature, experienced group now. But toward the end of that first year, we were able to knock off the number one in our league. And unfortunately, COVID cut us short um, of what we thought we could do. But um, I, I'm just so proud of the maturity uh, that they have experienced. And I think, too, because they've been on the other side of this, uh, they are very protective of our culture and of, of what it takes to be successful in our locker room and have reinforced to the rest of our kids just how important details are. Uh, so absolutely love these players. So glad that, you know, now they have even an extra year. So all my five starters will be back next year. Uh, but it has been an absolute joy uh, to coach this group. So I've never won 17 straight. So how does that feel? I mean, come on. That's like <laughs> unbelievable. Um, you know, I think maybe Don Staley right now. But other than that, no one has had that type of streak. So kind of share kind of that feeling and what it takes. You mentioned a little bit, but what it takes from your staff and from your players. I think number one, maturity, because you we, we preach a lot not to be too high over a win, too low over loss. Uh, every film session that we have after a game is highlights and lowlights, and the players <laughs> know it's coming. Uh, because I always feel like in a win, sometimes you don't play great, but you won. And sometimes you can play a Duke like we did this year, and for three quarters, played pretty well. Uh, we just couldn't match them uh, personnel-wise. And so... I think it's taken, I think it's having that maturity to understand that it's a process and that we've never arrived and, and the world's never falling either. Um, and this group is very, very mature. But also, I think a really cool thing that's happening on our campus is that last year, our men's and women's programs combined for second most wins in the country. And mm -hmm. so our basketball suite is a lot of fun to be in the last two years uh, because our men's staff keeps winning. And it's kind of like that competitive thing, like, well, gosh, they won. Let's win. Uh, and yet so congratulatory and so supportive of each other that it's a really healthy atmosphere. Um, I absolutely adore their staff as well. And our, our two staffs and our two teams are very, very uh, supportive of each other. We try to go to each other's games. Uh, if I'm watching film of a scout, I've got their game on in the background because I want to know how they're doing. And it's, it's been a very healthy, fun environment to be in. Well, you're very fortunate because um, ha having that healthy environment and you're selling basketball. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, and you, your, your fan support, um, when I was at Purdue, we came to Toledo, that fan support is no joke. And, and that goes, yeah. And, but your community product and it takes a lot of time and effort and what you've built is amazing. So, so I know you had mentioned this, um, you know, in one of your pressers with the NCAA talk about the, your conference and, and how tough it is. Our, our league is, is extremely tough. Um, you know, the, the Bowling Greens and the ball states of the world are very, very good. Uh, I do think that, and even Kent State, you know, Kent State went out to Oklahoma State and, and they won. You know, they uh, had a fantastic run and they, they almost knocked off Florida State at home. I think the tough thing for our league is that it's difficult to get people to play us. And that's why I shared back when you were at Purdue, I was so grateful. I remember your players saying, why is Coach called thanking us? It's because it's it's so hard to get people to be willing to come here because we're top 30 in the country in attendance, you know, now 10 out of the last 11 years, we just finished 25th in the country in attendance, but because of our winning percentage at home, a lot of times, you know, we've got to go to tournaments on neutral courts, all of our league to play people 
of significance to try to get a quality win, you know, one of those quad win wins. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and also, you know, I think night in and night out, the tough thing about being in our niche as a mid-major, we're hovering around 10 or 11. If you look at, you know, RPI, I'm, I'm a big believer in RPI, even though we're going by the net. Uh, and I'll tell you why later, but I do feel that this league is kind of that little niche that the NCAA tournament forgets about because we're not BCS. And yet there's a lot of automatic qualifiers that may not be as high of RPI or net conference as we are. And so you almost darn near have to be perfect to win the conference tournament to get in. There've been a couple times that Buffalo and central in years past were able to both sneak in, mm -hmm. uh, but it requires an incredible non-conference schedule and you've got to have some great wins. And then you almost have to pick a perfect run in the league, which in my opinion is very difficult because you know, Robin at Beachy, Brady at Ball State, and mm -hmm. Todd at Kent State are phenomenal coaches. Well, you know, I've always had so much respect, and that's, um, you know, that's what's difficult. Um, and you're doing your part. And I, you know, I like the RPI as well. Uh, <laughs> not the net as much, you know, I've studied both. Um, yeah. But, you know, when your RPI is that high as a conference and you're getting it done and you're winning percentage and, yeah. you know, you should be able to get two. Yeah, well, yeah. the the thing about the, the the thing I don't like about the net is we're rewarding teams for playing bad teams and beating them by a lot. Right. And and the RPI rewards you for quality wins. We beat Michigan at Michigan barely, mm -hmm. yep. and yet we barely moved up in yeah. the in the net. I yeah. want to be a coach who has integrity, that has sportsmanship. That if uh, if I win by ten, that's a good that's a victory. Mm -hmm. I don't want to have to win by thirty in order to impress a committee with my net score. I think it goes against everything I believe in in coaching. And yep. so, you know, I, I've already started in on committee members about this. They're not very happy <laughs> with me, but I, I'm going to let them know how I feel. <laughs> no, but it, but it makes sense. And I, and I agree. So let's talk about your NCAA, your matchup um, against Iowa state. They were a five seed. You were obviously a 12. What did you like about that matchup? And obviously you were very successful. Well, obviously, number one, it was a tough matchup because we're friends with that whole staff. Latoya <laughs> Shaban is a MAC Player of the Year at Toledo, and Bill Finley is a former Toledo coach who I adore. Jody, Jody, his assistant, Jody Steyer, is an amazing assistant. It was many mm -hmm. years at Toledo. So, first of all, I think you probably would agree with me. I hate playing my friends. Yeah, uh, it's difficult because you love them, but you need to beat them, uh, and so. Uh, I think matchup wise, you know, the NCAA tournament, getting wins in the tournament is all about matchup. Same with your conference tournament. And when I saw that draw, number one, you know, my heart kind of sank because I had just texted them to say congratulations on winning their league. <laughs> and then my next text followed up was, well, I guess I'll see you soon. Uh, but I thought I thought we matched up better with them than other teams, maybe that we could draw. But I will say Ashley Jones is the real deal. Uh, what an amazing player. Uh, she scored over 3,000 points in her career and uh, was a very difficult matchup for us. Uh, you know, she was able to get to the free throw line, especially in the second half. Mm -hmm. I didn't think we could stop the bleeding there, but um, I thought we were able to get out and guard the three-point line pretty well and not give them easy looks, but they're not easy to guard. Their guard play is very skilled. Mm -hmm. uh, they don't make a lot of mistakes. And uh, I just thought we got out to a really good start. Our kids believed, and sometimes belief can get you over the hump. And once we got out to a lead, we were able to maintain that. Uh, I think going back to our maturity, our kids understood that we had to do all the little things and we took really good shots in that game and we were able to put them down. 
What did you think a couple key players for you? I know it takes a whole team effort, but who really just stood out? You felt, I mean, obviously commentators yeah. think X, Y, and Z, but what? who did you yeah. think? I thought, I thought number one, we always talked to our point guard, Sophia Wired, about being a scoring threat. You know, we, I give her a hard time about it because sometimes I think she takes breaks on the court, not because, not because she doesn't want to be involved because she's so unselfish. And when she came out of the gate and I think had eight to 10 points in the first quarter, I knew we were going to be in business because we're a better team when she's scoring. You know, secondly, the one that everyone noticed who I adore is Quinesha Lockett. Her speed's hard to guard and and we run a lot of different actions and try to get her some easy drives to the basket. But in transition, you know, she, I thought she did a wonderful job of going to the board. She had 13 boards in the game. And when she can lead the break after getting a board, she's really hard to catch or we can pitch ahead to her. Uh, I thought she was able to use her speed and athleticism to create easy baskets for us. And then, you know, third, Jada Jansen. You know, Jada is a Division II kid who transferred here for two years and just was phenomenal. I mean, she was really hitting, but I thought very aggressive driving to the basket and creating for us. And if I had to give you a fourth, I'd say Jess Cook. Jess Cook had about three different tie-ups for rebounds against some bigger kids uh, late in that game that were big time for us to get the ball back. Well, when uh, when I was watching, I, you controlled the tempo. You did what you wanted to do, and you did. T- totally took them out of the three-point game, which, you know, that's what they want to do. But um, but Jones, I you know, I've never seen her play in person, but, boy, you know. It's not fun when you're the opposing coach. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I told her after the game, don't be sad. You're going to make a lot of money playing professionally because she's so good. Yeah. Uh, but much respect for that program and for her. Absolutely. So you then you match up with Tennessee, so um, so that obviously once again the I, match I looked different. at that matchup and said crap. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That when our kids looked at that the height differential, first yeah. of all, uh, you know that was a little intimidating. But then when you see them on the court at the tip, I think they're just so disruptive. We knew that paint points, rebounding, and taking care of the ball were going to be our big three keys. We had a tough time with all three, to be honest. They're very, you know, they're deep with height. Uh, they're so quick. They've got two first-round draft picks yep. probably in the WNBA upcoming. And uh, I I think even Howling Shed in, inside is just very skilled. I think what's tough is if they miss a shot, you know, you think, okay, we can get this rebound. And then they can tip it to each other. Yeah, uh, It's like the tip <laughs> drill. And our kids are trying to get it. And they just, they're not in that wingspan or that height zone. Uh, but they can create a lot of different ways. Uh, it's interesting because we watched a lot of their roster grow up because they grew up around us in Ohio and Michigan. Yeah. So we were very familiar and we knew it was going to be difficult and much respect uh, to Kelly. She's done a phenomenal mm-hmm. job. You know, the way that she's got her team playing right now, mm-hmm. uh, I think they've got a shot to do whatever they want to do. But I do believe that when they shoot the three as well as they did against us, that's what was the difference. We thought maybe we could pack it in and do some doubles but when they're shooting the three like that, it really was difficult for us. Yeah, I mean, you took the words right out of my mouth. Like where they're playing, they had some bumps in the road early and, mm-hmm. you know, trying to figure things out and adversity. But boy, um, I, they're clicking on all cylinders. And I think that's the key for them. If they can shoot the three well, then they could go obviously a lot further. So um, so let's talk about the brackets. You, you obviously were in that bracket with Tennessee. Um, Mm -hmm. so when you go to the Seattle three region, um, you know, with the matchups right now, um, Virginia tech, Tennessee, what are your thoughts on that? I think it's going to be a great game. I obviously 
Virginia Tech matches up a lot better height-wise uh, than we did at a lot of positions. I think Kenny's got his team playing very, very well. They earned their number one seed. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I don't think they're going to be as caught up with the length and the athleticism. They see it in their league. Yeah. Uh, I think it was hard for us to prepare for in one night. Uh, but I think this is going to be a great game. I think Tennessee came out of this uh, with a shot in the arm of confidence. Uh, but mm-hmm. I do think Kenny's team's playing very maturely right now. And, and I think it's going to be a great game. Yeah, I mean um... – you know, we talk about the transfer portal a little bit and some kids transferred and Kenny's done a phenomenal job. Um, you know, mm-hmm. like talked about Brenda freeze with Maryland, they're doing yeah. so well and they had so many transfers and, uh, people like playing for Kenny. Um, you know, and, he's just and got a great demeanor. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he's so even keel, you know, you watch those pregame talks and you're like, <laughs> he's so soft spoken, yeah. you know, but that's just who he is. And, you know, I think that breeds confidence with your kids. You know, they know that he trusts them and that he cares about them. And I think kids are running through the wall for him. Yeah. No, they're fun to watch. And Kitley, she's she's the real deal. I mean, all the players, mm-hmm. but I, I tell you what, um, she's difficult to defend and she does a great job on the defensive end. And, um, you know, so that will be obviously a, a great matchup. And then you have Ohio State, UConn, you know, being in the Big Ten, Ohio State, they got J.C. Sheldon back. I just love how they play. I think J.C. Sheldon is is phenomenal. Um, but, you know, again, they rely a lot on their press uh, for a lot of turnovers, and a lot of points. And I think it's with AZ Fudd back, I think it's going to mm-hmm. be a difficult matchup as yeah. far as turning them over. Uh, I think I think they do a pretty good job of taking care of the basketball. But, you know, uh, the Ohio State's freshman has had a phenomenal year. Um, she is she is an athletic specimen. Boy, can she drive yes. and create and cause and cause opportunities to get to the free throw line. Um, her brother was a practice player for us. Oh. And so <laughs> we know we know that family pretty well, but man, are they, uh, I, I think, you know, Ricky is playing with a lot more confidence mm-hmm. this year. I think that team, I think that team's probably peaking at the right time. And I know they're happy to have JC Sheldon back. Yeah, I mean, she was a, she, she had the game winner the other night, you know, she kind of just split and she's like, yeah. it kind of blew up, but they did the right thing and she made a great shot. So, but I tell you what, UConn, um, Gino's gone through a lot this year with uh, obviously the loss yeah. of his mother. We all know that we understand how that yep. goes. And, but the biggest thing is, um, you know, he, he had so many injuries and they had to mm-hmm. adapt and they got, and I mean, they've lost two games in the row of the big East and, you know, it, it, it's different for him. So, um, but I watched AZ FUD and, you know, she's been shooting like one for 10, one for 10. Well, she arrived last night for sure. I'm sure it took her a few games to get back in the swing of things. And obviously Edwards is phenomenal. Uh, I just, I, I think that their experience in postseason play yeah. uh, is probably going to be a big time factor in this and the confidence that they have. And Gino's experience of being there as well. You know, he, there's an expectation uh, for them. This is this is not even the level that they expect to aspire to. It's Final Four. It's National Championship. Right. Uh, so very few teams probably have the confidence setting into postseason that their program has, and deservedly so. Absolutely. Well, let's go to the Greenville 2 region. And this was a tough one, as we all know. Terry Morin's one of our uh, former Boilermakers. They had an amazing, amazing season. Obviously, um, we talked Mackenzie Holmes was hurt, and maybe if she was a little really, really healthy. Um, but, boy, that's a big upset with Miami, how physical they were uh, to beat Indiana. 
You know, I think one of the tough things is that when you get into NCAA tournament play, and we learned this as well, is that the whistles don't come as quick. And uh, it is, it's a very physical game. I know you know that as well. Uh, but Mackenzie Holmes, my heart breaks for her because I mm-hmm. know that she went into this tournament a little banged up. And boy, as a, as a post player, former post player, I loved watching her play all season long. Uh, her footwork, her hands, her finishing, her touch. Uh, the way she runs the floor and the ability to step out and shoot from the perimeter. She's phenomenal. And her passing. I think she's got great court vision when she's doubled. So, mm-hmm. you know, I saw her, uh, her, uh, we got back to the hotel after our game in time to watch their third and fourth quarter. And I, I hated it for them because I know uh, even the loss of not having Grace Berger in their program anymore. What a great kid. Grace oh. is someone that uh, they've relied on a lot and just seems like an unbelievable kid. Uh, Mm -hmm. who has worked her tail off and is a wonderful leader for them. Uh, But, you know, credit goes to uh, Miami for how Mm -hmm. aggressively they played. Katie had her team ready to play in a hostile environment. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, hats off to Terry for, for getting that, the the fan base there to come and to show up, you know, when you and I were players uh, at Purdue, uh, they (laughs) didn't have that fan base. And, uh, you know, I know that the alums from the first championship, had to just be so excited this year yeah. when they won their regular season championship, um, you know, and that fan to be excited about for the future, because even though they lose grace, they've got a lot of great young players. Oh, no, they, they were so fun to watch the entire year. And, um, you know, um, Miami just did a great job on them defensively from the three, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, Katie, you know, she's more of a defensive coach, Katie, and she talks mm-hmm. about that. They had some great offense, um, with players stepping up, but their post play pin, uh, pin dandy. She, she was so physical and caused some problems, um, you know, early on and, you know, you play in that conference. Um, but it was very similar to the old Miss Stanford, even though we're not going to talk about that. It was, they got ahead, they got ahead and they just couldn't get over the hump. They couldn't tie it. They couldn't go ahead. And, you know, that just builds confidence for the other team. Well, and I think what's lost in a lot of people is the energy it takes when you're coming from a 10-point deficit or more to get back into a game. You know, you're exhausting a lot of mental and physical energy in in climbing back into it uh, that sometimes when you get right to the brink of it, it's hard to finish the deal. Uh, But, you know, again, it was a great game. I think it was great for women's basketball. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I think every fan, no matter who they were cheering for, was on the edge of their seat in that game, uh, screaming and yelling at their TV because – I do think we've got some great teams left in this tournament, and that was a great game for for our game. Well, you know, then we go to the Villanova-Miami. We've talked about IU, but Villanova, you know, just they're just such a physical team. They're so solid. Mm-hmm. Maddie Seagrest, one of the best scorers, obviously. In the country. Beat, yeah, Florida Gulf Coast. But, uh, you know, Gino, uh, when they played in the, the tournament, he, you know, their conference tournament, he's like – they might be the most physical, tough team that he's played against. So, um, you know, I, I think that Villanova-Miami game, as you said, there's going to be a ton of teams that are really going to have some great games, a little different style of play. But I'm anxious to to watch her go against, obviously, the big post for Miami. I would agree. And, and, and let's go back and just quickly say, I bet everyone when they draw, when they draw Florida golf coast says, Oh my no. goodness, you know, <laughs> please don't be us uh, because of, because of what a great job he's done. And, and for Villanova to, to handle them mm-hmm. is, is a feat because when you play somebody that has a totally different style uh, and I know Villanova does as well, 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it presents a, a tough, a tough matchup in a short amount of time to prepare because all of the, all of us have about what a two, three day window uh, yeah. to really get prepared. And so it's not like you have weeks upon weeks, you've got a short window once that announcement's made. And, you know, I think it'll be a lot of fun to watch because obviously, as you said, two different styles, right? Mm-hmm. One that's defensive minded, one that can put a lot of points on the board. I think one of the keys is going to be how many times they're able to get to the free throw line because they are great shooters. And are they able to finish there? Because, and can they stop Segrist? She's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's fun to watch. And now we got the next bracket, LSU, Utah, Angel Reese. <laughs> and you got, you got another big player in Utah. Um, she's phenomenal as well. Um, I watched Utah the other night. Um, so that that's going to be, a, a again, different style matchup. Well, how fun is it to see different teams? Yeah. You know, I, I think it's awesome that a Utah has emerged. You know, I think we all cheer for that parody in our, in our tournament and in our game. And it's awesome to see a Virginia Tech, to see a Utah now rise because we want parody and we want interesting matchups. Obviously, Utah is a team that's probably disappointed because there for a while they were number one seed mm-hmm. and, and slipped late with a, a loss in their tournament. But a uh, fun style of basketball. Um, against a team that's going to be very aggressive in in LSU mm-hmm. and Angel Angel Reese presents all kinds of problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we had a chance to watch a lot of her film uh, as they were playing Tennessee uh, to get ready for our matchup, and so I, I really truly appreciated uh, just what a great player she was. As I was studying it even closer, uh, but boy, the way that she can score, the way that she can defend, and the way that she inspires her teammates, yeah. uh, and who. Who can't get inspired by Kim Mulkey? Kim Mulkey. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, she is she is a fireball uh, on the sideline. But I do think uh, I'm excited to watch this matchup because uh, of how different of a style Utah is, and I think it's fun to see what's going to win out. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, I think one of the best things that has occurred in women's basketball is the attendance. Iowa selling out, mm-hmm. IU having huge crowds, LSU doing the same thing. I mean, it's just so important for our game to continue to grow. And, um, you know, obviously with you having your attendance at your house, it's great, but to have that atmosphere for all college women's basketball has been phenomenal. I know a lot of people talk about how they don't like the home sites in the first round, but I'll be honest. I think I would much rather that than we go to neutral sites. There's no one there. Uh, and we ship people across country. You know, I think it's difficult, but if you're a top 16 seed, you earned it. Uh, and I think hopefully we're eventually we'll get to a spot where we can move to neutrals. But I think for every every player that participated in the NCAA tournament first couple of rounds to have fans there that cared, mm-hmm. that love women's basketball uh, only adds to the game. Well, Tricia, congratulations on a phenomenal, phenomenal season. You got to take a break, go to the beach, lay lay on the beach and just. <laughs> really understand what you have created there and what you've accomplished and really wish you the best of luck, uh, obviously in the off season and recruiting, but really appreciate it. And um, so um, excited for our next guest um, as we go in, we're going to have Lindsay Wisdom Hilton, uh, assistant coach at the University of Texas and the Big 12. University of South Carolina Beaufort has three beautiful locations near the beach, Bluffton, Beaufort, and Hilton Head Island. Our students find our small classes and personalized instruction very rewarding. 
The USCB Sandsharks have added men's and women's basketball, and we are excited to be new provisional members of NCAA Division II and the Peach Belt Conference. Fins up from USCB. Welcome back to March Madness. Um, excited for our second guest, uh, Lindsay Wisdom Hilton. Uh, she's at the University of Texas. She was a former Boilermaker, played for me for a couple years, um, is absolutely um, All-American, WNBA player, uh, first uh, round draft pick. Um, this is her first year at Texas, spent seven years uh, coaching with me at Purdue. Um, she's one of the best human beings out there, one of the best coaches. Um, and now she's at Texas with Vic Schaefer. Uh, they were a number four seed at home, 26 and 10. Uh, they beat number 13, East Carolina, 79 to 40. Uh, lost to Louisville uh, last night, 73 to 51. They were 14 and four in the Big 12. Uh, first Big, 10, uh, Big 12 regular season championship since 2003-04. Um, and they were 21 and 0 when holding opponents to 59 points or less. And, um, so welcome, welcome to the podcast, Lindsay. <laughs> Thanks coach. I appreciate you having me. I'm super excited to be here. Uh, well, uh, I know you've, uh, you know, you've done such a great job as a player and as a coach and then a professional, um, but I, you know, as we go through this podcast, I'm just going to ask you questions, but, you know, first and foremost, as a player, um, you know, you played at Purdue, played for two coaches. Um, you know, we won some big 10 championships. We went to a couple of elite eights. Like yeah. how do players feel right now? You know, I mean, obviously <laughs> last night you all kind of got beat. So that's, yeah, feeling. Yeah. But you know, just kind of the process of winning a championship and getting to the lead eight and, you know, uh, just, you as a player first. Yeah. Well, well, they don't call it March Madness for nothing. It's, it's such a high and excitement, such a thrill, you know, to, to be in such a setting. Um, and it's an honor, you know, not everyone's names get called on Selection Sunday or Monday. And so to have that honor and be able to play um, and represent your university is, is great. And so like Coach had mentioned is that at Purdue, I was lucky enough to be a part of uh, two Elite Eights, uh, so close to being to the Final Four. And so since I didn't do it as a player, now my goal is to do it as a coach. Um, and so like she had mentioned, I just just got to University of Texas. Um, we did just lose last night, but so you have the, the high of the wins, but then you also have the heartbreaks of the losses. And so dealing with that right now, and it's emotional, you have seniors leaving, you're going to have a whole new team next year, but mm -hmm. um, you know, it's an exciting time and it's just, you know, it's do or die, you survive in advance. And so we have a very interesting year this year, our brackets have been busted uh, on the men's <laughs> and women's side. So um, it's exciting to see the parody in our league and our game. And it's, um, it's an exciting time to watch. And so now I'm going to be sitting from the sidelines cheering on some friends in the coaching world and um and having a, uh, an exciting time in dallas the final four well you know and like when you leave it all on the line when you got to two elite eights we played top 
top, top teams. And then you got a first yeah. round draft pick in the WNBA. And so for some, they're going to continue to make money and have a great experience. Mm-hmm. And how was that for you progressing into the WNBA and your experience there for those that don't understand it? I mean, it's a whirlwind, um, you know, and to have the opportunity to be drafted in the first round and very, very lucky and very blessed to have that opportunity. And, and coach, you really did an amazing job helping me get to that level. Um, you know, but way back then it was a little different. We didn't have the NIL. We didn't have the deals and stuff. Uh, you know, first round picks aren't making, especially with the NBA guys are making. But even now, yeah. the, the game has grown so much um, and the money is definitely out there and, and, and it's a greater demand. And I'm excited to, that we kind of helped kind of lay the foundation a little bit along the years and um, to have that opportunity to play professionally for four years um, in different cities um, and then overseas. Having that opportunity is a lot of great talent overseas as well. Um, and then just to, to kind of get into coaching, it's just been an amazing career for me, both um, on the court and, and on the sidelines. And I just hopefully can give any advice to any young women wanting to get in the game to stay at Live Their Dream because you never know what could happen. I never imagined that I would be drafted mm-hmm. and have that opportunity until it was later in my life. So just stay the course and, and, and you can dream big, you can do it. Well, and that's great. I mean, that's great advice. And you're such a mentor for so many and uh, you've touched a lot of programs. So, you know, um, they're very blessed to have you as well. So let's talk about University of Texas and kind of your season and winning the regular season championship and then just about the conference. Yeah, it's been great. I've only been here since September, so it's been a, been thrown in the fire a little bit uh, right when the season got going. But uh, it's been amazing just getting settled and situated here, getting to know our players. Uh, we have a lot of talent on our team. We did get a little adversity with some injuries here and there with some players being in and out. Uh, one of our starters tearing their ACL. So we've had some adversity that our girls, we just did an amazing job fighting through that and to come out and be regular, you know, co-champions of the Big 12 is amazing. Um, and it gets, gets a lot to our coach, uh, Vic Schaefer. He's an amazing coach um, based on and off the court. He's a really good guy, always looking out for his players. And, you know, has he'll get on him on the court. I'm sure you all have seen him on the sideline, but <laughs> right after practice, he'll be there putting his arm around the girls um, and, and being there for him. So, um, I've learned a lot so far in the short time that I've been here, and I'm excited to see where we can take this program in years to come. So with the Big 12, you've you've been part of the Big 10, you've been part of the what ACC, and now the Big 12. So what's kind of the – is there a difference, different style, different bodies, or is it kind of very similar? Yeah. You know, there are differences. I think um, I was in the Big Ten playing and coaching for so long, kind of got used to that style. You kind of have some great guard play, obviously, and, and get up and down in transition, but very good in the half court as well. Some bigger post players usually to kind of get down there and bang. I think the Big 12 is very, very similar in that aspect. Um, you know, in ACC and SEC, it's a little bit more more transition up and down, a little bit more quicker and agile post players, um, maybe not as much size. So um, as you guys know, the Big we'll be in the Big 12 for one more year, then we'll shift over to the SEC and you know that's a gauntlet of a schedule as well so no no conference is safe and even like I said the parity in the game you've got Big East and all other kinds of conferences that are just so so good and, and you never know any given night anyone can win a game. Absolutely so you guys earned the right you were top top four seed got to play at home matched up with East Carolina so uh, t- tell us a little bit about how that went against East Carolina before you obviously played Louisville? Um, Well, I think the opportunity for us to host started because we did so well in the Big 12, but then also we're able to make a good run in the the Big 12 tournament um, and fell short to a really, really good Iowa State team in the finals. 
But I think we did a good job off season um, setting ourselves up to be in a position to host. And um, I, we play at the Moody Center, which is a very brand new million dollar facility, um, top notch. We have great fans. We're building our fan base here in Austin. Um, and, and so we were really lucky to have that opportunity. And we thought we were really setting ourselves up to at least get advanced into the Sweet 16. Um, but, you know, I think we came up against the tough Louisville team who was very physical. We played them earlier in the year. Um, we were very different. We didn't have one of our, our point guard um, point guards at the time. But, you know, both teams got better and, you know, they came out and kind of punched us first and we kind of battled back here and there. But um, unfortunately, we just didn't have enough juice in the tank and they, they played really well and kept running on us. And our fans tried to cheer us on and get us out of it. But um, but they, they really kind of handed it to us. And so we got to make sure we're a little bit more physical, more tough and could sustain that um, with a little bit of the depth that we had. And then East Carolina, you know, they're a tough matchup for us. They're scrappy. They're a really good team. They have players who can score and get up and down the court. They play, they force a lot of turnovers of uh, 24 a, a game. And so one of the best in the country because they play as real scrappy to try to speed up the offense. And so we wanted to make sure we take care of the ball because that's kind of been a little bit of our Achilles heel this year, um, taking care of the ball. So, but we were able to do a good job with them and advance on to, to Louisville. Um, but, you know, like I said, they had a really good game plan and um, we just got to make sure we come out a little tougher and stronger and, and and so we can get the win and get out of, um, you know, the host region. But, you know, next year we're really excited. We have a lot of our core group back. Um, we only have a couple seniors that are that are moving on. So hopefully we have our incoming freshmen will help us and we have a good group coming back. So we hopefully can make a run next year. Well, talk about a couple of players, um, you know, on your team that matched up with Louisville and kind of kind of what was your game plan against Louisville? What were your key players? And mm -hmm. then kind of what was their game plan? Obviously it was yeah. successful, um, but kind of, you know, kind of the matchup of strategy a little bit. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously we know they have really good players and good guard play. Um, and I think uh, number five is kind of the catalyst to their team. Obviously everyone talks about Van Lith, but number five, Mikasa Robinson really gets them going. She's kind of that energy player for them. So we felt like if we can neutralize a couple players, um, obviously they have great size, but we feel like we also have great size. So we felt like they would kind of neutralize each other in that aspect, um, rebounding and things like that and banging down low. But it was going to be really, really important for our guard play to step up and, you know, match their guard play and, um, and so we also wanted to make sure we take care of the ball because they they press, they're going to get after you and be aggressive. And they also, we knew that they could play some zone. Um, we struggled in the past against um, teams that sat in and packed it in and made it hard for our bigs to get the ball. Um, you know, if your guards, sometimes if they're not knocking down shots, mm -hmm. then it makes it a little bit easier for the defense to sit in. And so um, for us, we wanted to make sure our guards were still being aggressive, getting to the free throw line um, and knocking down shots. And then obviously I'm biased, so feeding the big kids, big girls <laughs> to get them the ball um, as much as possible. And you know, we had some really, really good looks at the rim, missed a lot of layups that we should have made. Um, but our game plan, again, was to be aggressive, deny, not let them run their, their coach, like he says, don't let them run their pretty offense. Um, and, and so we <laughs> didn't do that as well as we should have. And we weren't denying and getting as aggressive as we needed to be. Um, the refs did a pretty decent job on both ends, you know, with um, calling the game. So um, it just fell down to being tough and, and not letting the teams run what they wanted to run. Yeah. Did you feel like Louisville just out of the gate, the tempo, they controlled? Mm -hmm. It's kind of like, yeah, they did. I mean, I think it started off. 
with us having three turnovers to start the game, um, you know, it's obviously not a good sign. And so um, we, like I said, turning the ball over was one of our keys to make sure we, we don't do that. And so to start the game off, it just kind of had to get our gears going a little bit. And they kind of punched first. Like I said, we tied it um, at the end of the first, but we didn't have great second and third quarters to kind of uh, neutralize that. And so they built a lead. We gave them confidence. Um, that's the biggest thing. I think when you give an opponent confidence like that early on in your arena, um, that just kind of fuels them. Um, to, to keep going. And so our crowd did a good job trying to keep us in it. And we made some runs here and there, but in the end, we just didn't have enough to, to, to kind of cut it uh, toward the end. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, I know you were in, um, you know, the, the, the Seattle region four. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. And when you kind of, you, know, you kind of look at let things, mm -hmm. uh, you know, when you're yeah. Trish and I talked about this a little bit, when you're in the tournament, you're not watching any other game. You're just scouting, doing X, Y, and Z. Yeah. So on Sunday night, I'm watching. It's midnight. And yeah, yeah. Woo. Ole Miss from the I gate. Know. Same thing. No, Set the tempo. Just took Stanford out of it on their home court. But their mm -hmm. defense, their length, their athleticism. And in the fourth quarter, Stan uh, Ole Miss only had like a field goal but they got to yeah. the foul line, but Stanford couldn't get over the hump. And I don't know if you watched any of that, had an opportunity Sunday night, but your thoughts on that. Um, I was only able to watch the end. The last few minutes, uh, we were kind of out with our team, kind of prepping them and getting them ready for team dinner and things like that. So watched the last three or four minutes. And it was, like you said, all defense. Um, that's kind of Ole Miss's, this, their, that's their staple um, to disrupt, be long and athletic and active. And they really disrupted Stanford. Um, and, you know, when they Stanford started to creep in and make that run toward the end, um, it was going to be down to who could get some more stops. And, you know, like you said, Ole Miss kind of hit a little lull uh, scoring, but, it didn't matter. They were making stops and that was what was key and important for them. And they, they gave it to them on their home court, like you said. And um, it was, like I said, a lot of parody in this game. So it's exciting to see the upsets, not only with them, but as with IU, kind of the same situation. Oof. So uh, any given night, you never know this. Our, our game and our league is very tough. Um, you have to come ready to play no matter what, or you're just going to go home, go home packing. Yeah, like Stanford, like Haley Jones. Cameron Brink was sick. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. They didn't play in the first round. She came the second round. Yeah. You could tell that she wasn't her best. Yeah. Um, but when she came out of the game, it was drastic. They'd make a run, mm -hmm. then she'd come back in, and then they kind of closed <laughs> the gap. Uh, but Haley Jones missed a, some layups that she normally doesn't, mm -hmm. but they have length and athleticism. But what I really saw was that they just – guarded those guards like no other mm -hmm. and they didn't have an opportunity to pass well deflections um or shoot the three because stanford usually shoots the three and they yeah. totally took that away yeah when you have that size that length and you play so hard on defense it's hard you know and like coach says you can win games with bigs but you win championships with guards and if mm -hmm. your guards can't get the ball to the bigs then it's going to be a long night um but they really disrupted them um caused a lot of pressure and you can't run that pretty offense it's hard for you to get the looks you want to get maybe you're taking rush shots turning it over and such. And so um, I feel Haley, we, we missed a lot of bunnies too. And so, uh, and that just kind of messes with your psyche and your confidence uh, going down the stretch. But um, I know they had some crucial, Stanford had some crucial turnovers again, toward the end, they weren't allowed to mm -hmm. get a good shot off for them to even 
you know, get a shot off. Um, and so, yeah. but like I said, you know, I saw their crowd was rocking for them too. So it's hard, you know, when you're home, <laughs> you have the pressure, especially yeah. those number one seeds, a um, yeah. lot, lot of pressure build up and, you know, give a shout out to my, our Boilermakers men. They had the pressure all on them as well. And it's just, it's tough, you know, and it gets in those crunch time situations Ooh. and you have a lot riding on it. And so um, you're never, never safe. You never know. No, you don't. And, um, you know, with Ole Miss, uh, they were breaking them down and going to the hole and just foul, yeah. foul, foul. So, that, you know, it, it's crazy when you have different officials. They call it a different game all the time. Um, yeah. So Stanford and Ole Miss, the scoring was low, but the mm-hmm. IU-Miami game had some similarities. The crowd was there. They just couldn't ever get over. They could never take the lead. They're yeah. always coming mm-hmm. from behind and coming from behind 10, 12 points. It's just, it takes a lot out of you. So, yeah. um, so what do you think now that you play Louisville, what do you think about <laughs> Ole Miss Louisville matchup? It's going to be tough. Um, I haven't seen Ole Miss a ton this season, just kind of um, here and there, obviously watched the end of the Stanford game and we've now played Louisville twice. So I've seen them a little bit more. Um, you know, I think off- offensively Louisville has a lot of weapons. So, you know, Ole Miss is going to have to defend not only the guards, but their bigs as well. Um, but yeah, I have a length and athleticism. So I, I'm excited. I don't think it's going to be a high scoring game. I think it's going to kind of be in that mid range because um, I think Louisville also plays great defense. So it's mm-hmm. going to be a good defensive battle. Um, but I, I don't know who's going to take that one. Uh, <laughs> but I, I know it's going to be a good game um, and it's a great region. You know, all the games are going to be good from here on out because you're playing top tier talent. Absolutely. Well, I think the other game that will be interesting, obviously, mm-hmm. is the, the the Iowa-Colorado yeah. game. I finally yeah. got to watch Colorado play, but Iowa, Caitlin Clark, um, oh, yeah. Monica She's Sassano amazing. down and low. I mean, you know, everybody says it's like Caitlin's kind of the Steph Curry of, you know, college <laughs> women's basketball, and we played against her all the time, and yeah, uh, yeah. it's not fun. <laughs> Don't like it. I'm glad but I'm out she, of that area. <laughs> but she, she can ball. I mean, she's she's pretty amazing. But um, not sure if you watched Colorado, but they, um, you know, they went in and beat Duke on their home floor. I watched yeah. it last night and uh, didn't know if you've watched them and what your thoughts are about that matchup. No, we weren't able to watch, kind of watch the end of it after our game a mm-hmm. little bit um, while we were eating post game. And it was just a battle kind of going back and forth um, with them and Duke. And, you know, Duke's a great team. Um, I know sometimes in the year they've had a little bit up and ups and downs. Um, so I, you know, I don't know if maybe Colorado caught them on a night, but they, I saw they had good guard play. They have good size down low for rebounding mm-hmm. and working with bigs. And so, um, they just Colorado's been playing really well. The Pac-12 has been really great this season. So mm-hmm. a lot of good head-to-head matchups for them to put them in situations to be successful. Um, so I'm, I'm not surprised. Um, and so that's going to be a good one. And then, you know, Colorado and Iowa is kind of two teams. Maybe they didn't expect to play each other, different styles and things. And obviously Caitlin is an amazing player. She does a great job leading that team, but they have a lot of good pieces to that Iowa team and um, down low in the post and then other good guard play who can knock down the three. Um, and so it's going to be a tough matchup, I know, for, for, for Colorado's sake. But mm-hmm. on the other end, Iowa's got to make sure they play good defense. And it's going to be a neutral site, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, I think it's great that they're doing the the regions, the two regions. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that will be helpful. But when I was watching Colorado, Quay Miller, post player, uh, very impressive. Um, mm-hmm. Down low, great hands, can score, can pass, can board. Um, but their little point guard, their senior, Herod, was – Jared, oh, yeah. she was not – letting them lose. I mean, yeah. it, it just Rolling wasn't happening. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, um, you know, so that was an incredible matchup, but, uh, you know, hats off. Lisa Bluter's done an incredible job there. Yes, yeah. Um, 
but like we, like Trish and I said, it's nice to see the parody and have new teams in there. Um, yeah, it because is. it can happen refreshing. anytime. Yeah, it's very refreshing. Yeah, it Absolutely. is. And so I don't know who's going to be at the final. I mean, we could a couple of weeks ago we kind of <laughs> had people we figured would have made it, but now it's kind of a, a, a crapshoot. I do think you know South Carolina is is still the favorites to win it all, but mm -hmm. you never know. You can catch them on a night, have good game plan, and knock down some shots and play good defense. Yeah. Um, you never know what's going to happen, but um, but if I had put my money on, I'm kind of leaning toward them to to win yeah. it all. Yeah, absolutely. So let's go to the Greenville one region right now. We talked about South Carolina. They are the team to beat. They've been undefeated going on two years now on both yeah. sides of the ball. They are so relentless. Um, you know, they have the three, they have the mid range game. They obviously, mm -hmm. Aaliyah Boston is one of the best players that's ever played as well. And, um, you know, when we talk about South Carolina, Ole Miss played them at Ole Miss, went into overtime. Yeah, yeah they did. Similar style, but not, you know, Boston. I think their post player, obviously, um, with South Carolina, obviously, dom is the most dominating presence. But um, mm -hmm. they're the only ones besides UConn playing them, playing them close right now. So, um, you know, Dawn has done a great job. But um, UCLA, we're talking about the Pac-12 again. Yeah. <laughs> um, UCLA, Charisma, Osborne. Yeah, um, scored so many points, just continues to carry their team. So what are your thoughts with UCLA? Um, we had to see them up and close and personal. We were in the same tournament during Thanksgiving. And when I saw them play then, um, they were playing really well. And it was early in the season. So I just knew that they would be successful at the end of the year just because of the pieces that they had with their team. Um, but I I'm excited to kind of see what they can bring to the table against South Carolina, you know, and, and they have some good veteran guards, some good size down there. And, and Corey's done an amazing job with that group, getting them ready to put, in this, put them in this position. Mm-hmm. Well, and then we have the Notre Dame Maryland yeah. matchup, which mm -hmm. uh, Notre Dame Neil Ivy, you know, Big Ten. I mean, big. I keep saying Big Ten. Sorry, um, <laughs> you know, ACC uh, Coach of the mm -hmm. Year. I mean, yeah. and they lost two starters. Um, I know. No one crazy. would think that they'd be in the Sweet Sixteen right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's tough, especially when you lose kind of your, your floor general person to kind of run everything. It's We had we lost ours early in the year for a few games, yep. and it's tough to make that adjustment. Um, and so hats off to her and her team and her coaches. They've done an amazing job, you know, keeping their team together and understanding the mission and still coming out and, and winning games. Um, yep. And so they, I think they do have a tough matchup ahead with Maryland. Um, but, you mm. know, Maryland's have dropped a couple games earlier in their the Big Ten conference. Um, and so if, if Notre Dame can capitalize on that and, and, and you know, stop Diamond Miller and some other key pieces, um, they have a shot at, at, at winning this game, um, even without their two starters. So it'll be a good matchup. I think it's going to go back and forth. I don't think one team's going to run away with it. Um, I think it's going to come down to the wire to who can execute the best toward the end um, and, and take care of the ball. Yeah, I had Brenda on last week and I complimented her. She has nine from the transfer portal, had two returners, <laughs> nine from the portal, two post players got hurt. So mm -hmm. she has seven, and so she had to change the style of play. So that's why they had bumps in the road, and Diamond mm -hmm. Miller was out early on when they played South yeah. Carolina. So now Diamond Miller's playing great. They're playing a five-out yes, style. Is. So, you know, it's a hard matchup because they play five-out now, um, and they still rebound well. But um, mm -hmm. Cheyenne Zellers, Abby Myers, I told her, like, Abby's yeah. like – 
I love Abby <laughs> Myers. Diamond Miller's top three draft pick. Get it. But yeah. um, I, I think I really feel that they're the team now that they've continued to play. Yeah. They have a chance. If they're going to, if they have a chance um, at South Carolina, obviously they're going to produce better than a 25 point loss because they didn't have Diamond Miller and it was early. Correct. Yeah, I think so too. I think you hit it on. They're playing really well, their best basketball right now. They're trending upward. Um, and so, like I said, I think it's going to be a great game. Um, but I, I think I have to give my Big Ten uh, a little shout out on that one. I think that she's going to come <laughs> away with that one. Um, both great coaches. Um, mm-hmm. Brenda's been in this situation. Uh, too many times, and I feel like she's going to have her team ready to go. Um, and they have many pieces that can that can score the ball um, at the end of the day. And so I think they're going to come out on top on that one. But um, I've been wrong before, my guesses, but I do think that Maryland <laughs> uh, can come out with that one and, and advance to the next round. Well, Lindsay, I know you uh, wish you were still playing, but you will now too, be able to watch too. some games. <laughs> uh, be able to watch some games, but you know, mm-hmm. uh, I just want to thank you for being who you are, playing at Purdue, being All American, WNBA, coaching there, and um, you're just making such great headway um, in this profession and helping young people out. And um, you well, know, you. you're going to continue to do big things. So I really appreciate it, and thank oh. you for being with us. Thank you. I appreciate you and everything that you've done for me, not only in my basketball career, but personally off the court. You've been a mentor and a great coach to me and a friend. And so I appreciate you asking me and and getting me on here to talk some basketball because it's what we love to do. Absolutely. Well, thanks again um, for being here. And we'll see how this March Madness Sweet 16, 16 goes this weekend. We have one more short segment and we'll be back in a little bit. University of South Carolina Beaufort has three beautiful locations near the beach, Bluffton, Beaufort, and Hilton Head Island. Our students find our small classes and personalized instruction very rewarding. USCB students have unique opportunities with internships, community service projects, international programs, fieldwork, and research. The USCB Sand Sharks have added men's and women's basketball, and we are excited to be new provisional members of NCAA Division II and the Peach Belt Conference. Fins up from USCB. So we're back. The Sweet 16 is all set. Uh, there's a lot of new teams that we're excited to watch. Uh, a lot of upsets on the home court, but now it's all neutral court. So we're going to see. Obviously, Old Miss and Stanford, that was a big upset as well as Miami uh, at IU. But who's going to be the dark horse now? Um, I think Virginia Tech um, and Keatley, the post player, um, really are playing great basketball right now. That's a player to watch. Uh, Caitlin Clark from Iowa. Uh, they just know how to put up points. Uh, people say she's a Steph Curry of women's basketball. Uh, Villanova, the top scorer in the country. Um, Seacrest, Maddie Seacrest, uh, another one to really watch. And obviously South Carolina, uh, Leah Boston. Um, she has just done such amazing things. Um, 
there the last several years um, and just that whole team. I mean, Don Staley has just created a dynasty there. And, and so we'll see uh, if anybody can make those upsets. Um, and so just really looking forward to these games. Um, next, next week, I'll have another two special guests. And now we're down to the nitty gritty with the final four. And then that will be my episode three. And then my episode four will be all about University of South Carolina, Beaufort, State of Women's Basketball, um, and uh, just bringing the low country to all of you. So until then, we'll see you next time.